Rock and roll. Ready? Go. Go. Good go. morning, go. everybody. This is the See Where It Goes podcast, and we are coming to you from our bedroom. Brian has set up a new partition in our room this week. He's kind of making himself his own little office because he's stuck in the room for, gosh, you're in this room a lot, like 40 hours a week. I am, yeah. It's um, so, no more than that because I work from the room, so that's over 40. And then I sleep here, so that's five, seven. That's a so ton Monday of to hours. Friday, that's uh, 16 hours a day I'm in this room, so I'm trying to get out when I can. Yeah. Um, and Well, he bought these partitions from Ikea, which are really nice. They're black and white. And he's going to kind of use them to partition off his entire office so that when he's, you know, in here sleeping or whatever, then he's just, you know, he has he doesn't have to look at his desk or anything like that. Um, and then plus it kind of gives him a more professional look when he's on Zoom calls and stuff. And well, I rarely come in the bedroom during the week, but sometimes when I was coming in, if he was on a call, then, you know, I could be seen even though I tried not to ever do that. But now I can come into the room and because of the partition, nobody um, can see me. So that's really nice. So are you happy with your, your yes, partition? Yes, I bought a second one. You uh, had said that um, my reason for going to Ikea was suspect. Is that what you said? Well, I just no, know that you... Yeah, go ahead. I just know that you like to buy things. I do. Yeah. I do. And I could tell myself, it's like, well, I just want to buy stuff. That's what it is. But it, I got some really nice feedback, and uh, it does, especially with the second one, it does uh, create a sense of separation. Yeah. I do like the bedroom. I like the lighting. So I do like being here, and I like that it's a separate room. But, you mm -hmm. know, we're a three-bedroom house. and um, But I, the partition isn't just um, – because you don't – people don't come, don't cross back and forth all that often. Right. Uh, but if like, I'm talking to a lot of people, it would might be distracting. But it's just it's just nice to control the back your background. Now people can do that, of course, with virtual backgrounds. Right. But they can be also odd too. Yeah, virtual backgrounds are weird because when you're moving your head or whatever, you can kind of get blurry and it makes you look a little bit weird. Yeah. So um, yeah. So uh, going to say there. Anyway, so I did go there. I managed to get. I I was thinking I should. When you go to a place like IKEA, you should buy these. You know those horse blinders that the horses wear. Yeah. You should wear those. So you just literally go to where you need to go. You right. Might look fun. I weird, but you just put those on your head, and uh, and I and I did. That way I, you don't see everything don't else see in the store you want to buy. Don't see the thing, all the crap you don't need. Right. So, but I did actually fly through. Now I knew what I wanted, and I was going to go straight in the door and grab it from the storage area of IKEA. Uh huh. But I wanted to see it on display, so I did a really fast power walk around the store. There was no one there. It was eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I could not find it, so I just went and bought it, and I think it looks quite nice. Yeah, it does. It's really nice. I it looks better in person than it, it looked does. online because I thought it was going to look cheesy, but actually it doesn't. Yeah. And then so now you've got the second one. And then you'll make like a whole separate little room for yourself, which is pretty will, cool. We'll see. I mean, I hope you like it. If you don't, I can send it back. Well, well, like I told you is that I don't, I want you to be comfortable, you know, and yeah. I want you to feel professional and like, Thank this you. is your work. This is where you work. So, I mean, you should be, yeah, you should be able to feel confident when you're doing meetings and things like that and have a space that you feel good in. And then I, you know, I don't have to spend my whole day in this room. You know, I was, um, I had got a 
membership to geek them downtown it's a collaborative mm-hmm. workspace place downtown yeah and um i tried that for a month and part of the problem was first of all it would get too warm get too cold sometimes the network wasn't that good i'm not trying to throw shade on it because i think that's a lot of people go there and it is a great space because you can um uh, okay whatever it's really i would recommend it it's cheap it's a good price it's 50 47 dollars a month you get conference rooms you get private talk rooms and you work with a bunch of people you don't know because they're working remote too but it does have a sense of community and, and, and also they're an incubation group but anyway all that to say i did that for a while but i would get antsy after an hour or two and i wanted to go home I don't mm-hmm. want to like I, the idea of staying in one office for eight hours now is just I don't know if I can go back. I've always been restless anyway. Yeah. And being a coach made it easy because I had appointments to go to, I had places to walk to. But it's the idea of sitting in one cube for eight mm-hmm. hours is 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 not. Now I can do it here. It might be different, but anyway. So what I've been doing is going to Starbucks in the morning. Yeah. And and uh, we were talking about this and restlessness. Like, is it really a restless thing, or is there just something mental you need? Where you like, I need to go where I know people because I've got to know. I said Starbucks. I meant to say local coffee downtown. But um, I go down there, and I now I know everyone because I'm there almost every day. So I start the day there for an hour or two, and I've got to know other people, and it's really yeah. it really helps mentally mm-hmm. to get out and do that and just fi- pick one space where you settle in, get to know people, because you see the same faces every day, and you eventually yeah. kind of figure, hey, we should say hi to each other. So I've met some people there, but I think I'll just keep that going. Now, that ends up being more expensive. If all I have is a coffee per day, that's an $80 a month thing. Right. As opposed to Geek Them's 50. So <clears throat> I was thinking I should talk to that guy and say, would you do memberships at local coffee where you where you just, I don't know, they would, probably wouldn't make money on it, but like uh, charge me $100 a month. And just give me one free cup oh, of coffee. Oh, you know a day. that coffee shop in in Littleton, Colorado, called Spur. Yeah, yeah. That's what they did. So they were a yeah. coffee shop, but they you also had could have a membership and you could work there. Too, it was really nice. Do you remember that? I do. But you didn't buy the membership though. They had these side rooms you could work in, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking like just in local coffee. If they, they there's usually a section in the back, and we sit by the counter, and it's the same crew every day. And I almost think they they. They're the crew who works there for the mornings. Yeah. So they sit at the back counter because that's the least desirable. Well, I think it's the most desirable place to sit. But we've kind of all, the same people sit back there. But yeah, I wonder, I should talk to the owner and say, hey, would you ever think of doing a membership where, like, I don't know, like it's $80. So $800, i would pay him 100 a month because that's what I'm paying, 100 or 80 a month. Well, you're and still paying him. You're paying yeah. him in coffee dollars. Right. So you get a free cup of coffee and then... um Per day, and then you know you'll buy stuff like extra on top of that. I think he might. I'll mention it to him. So anyway, but I was th- thinking about uh, yeah, just the whole uh, working remote is is um, it's interesting. It's been a year and a half, and I wonder maybe I don't know if we should do a podcast. Well, we never know what we're going to talk about. So do you? want to go back or do you mm. like this hybrid i like the hybrid a lot so would you like to go in a couple days a week yeah. and be home the other few days or how would what would be an ideal I situation think, um, for you yeah i think you could, you could go in once uh, once a week would be good mm-hmm. once every two weeks i think the, uh, what especially in the agile world that you're now coming familiar with Bridget got her certified Scrum Master. Did we mention that last week? Yes, I did. No, I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. We might have. Scrum I don't Master's remember. Like an agile team coach, and that's what I used to do. I've done it. Uh, did it most recently a year ago. But anyway, 
what's my point? A lot of times we work on a sprint. So we work on a fortnight or every two weeks. And you pull the team together. And sometimes you do an entire day of meetings. And then you go do your work. So you come in at the end of your sprint. And you review and you demo the work. And you do a mm-hmm. retrospective on the last sprint. And then you go into the next sprints planning and you, you refine your work and you plan it and then you leave. And sometimes all those meetings collectively can take four to six hours. So some mm-hmm. teams do them all in one day and then you just they just go and they go for two. So if I think in the agile world, the hybrid could be on sprint meeting days Yeah. every two weeks. We're going to meet together and we're going to in the morning do these meetings. Then we're all going to have lunch together and then we're going to have afternoon meetings. Then we're going to have coffee together and then... Because I think that that human connection is what we're missing. So I like I'm I you know I, there's a lot of people I've met online I've never met in person, and you know you can connect so much, but there's nothing like a the human, the human touch, you know. Yeah. So well, yeah. I want to work in person. Like I don't want to work. Would you want to work in person forty yeah. hours a week? Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. I mean, I've been in this house. Yeah, yeah. I'm in this house all the time. My whole life is in this house. Like. I've been in this house for four years. I almost like weeks will go by where I almost go. No, I don't go anywhere, you know, not even to a coffee shop. I'm not into the whole coffee shop thing because usually once I've had coffee, I don't want anything else to drink. So if I could just go sit somewhere else, I might want to do that, but I don't want to go and buy something in an environment that I, Actually, and I don't really even care for the environments that much either in coffee shops. Like, I just don't. Yeah. I like I like being here, but I'm used to being in one place. Like, I don't like the whole, I, I hate corporate offices and how, like, void of color they are and void of yeah. light. But if it's the right type of office space where you have light and it can even be ugly if it has light. You know what I mean? Because light makes a huge difference. And then I just feel like, too, the human connection, like starting something new, if I am seeing the people I'm working with and they're seeing me. Yeah. Because, like, if I get get lucky enough to be hired, then I feel like I need to be able to see these people face-to-face to make a connection with them so that they begin to trust me and like me yeah so that i can build a uh connection with them because they're gonna whoever hires me you know i'm gonna be coming in totally green with head knowledge but no kind of like on the ground experience so i feel like that connection is going to be important i think that's going to be easier to make if i'm in person as opposed, I think it'll be harder if I started a job online because then I'm having to deal with technology like in a real-time situation. Whereas if I'm in a room with someone and I have to go put things in JIRA or whatever, like I don't have to be putting things in JIRA, JIRA real live in like in that moment. You know what I mean? Or at least I don't think that's going to happen that way. Like you have a meeting and then you go put it Oh, usually you put it in Jira in the meeting. <clears throat> oh, you do. Do you have Jira up on the yeah. screen? Do you have it like on a on a projection yeah, screen? Yeah, I would just, oh, just, okay. just get it out of so the way. So you don't do whiteboards anymore. You could. I mean, I've seen teams do that. It depends. Like, I, so I you don't do stickies anymore. 
Uh, no, a lot of teams don't. I did, oh, though, when okay. I was at a previous company. So for those who are What did you like the best? Familiar to the Agile thing, we would, we would capture our work on post-it notes, what the team was going to work on, and we'd stick it on a board, and it would have like a Kanban board, which just means the work would be in to-do, doing, done state. Yeah. Uh, I like <laughs> sticky. So one group I worked with, I, I just, they weren't great at updating the tool. So I said, okay, and we were all together. So I said, hey, uh, I'll update the tool. Excuse me. I'll update the tool. Yeah. Let's all work on stickies. So we all work on stickies. I said the only thing I ask is from your side, if you're if if you're done with it with with work, walk into the scrum room and move the sticky. And I'll come in every day and I'll see what changed. Now it was a lot of overhead for me though. Because so what I, about I Slack? Do you have Slack connected to Jira? Uh no, I didn't Okay, no. yeah, you can connect Slack because you can update your issues. Well, you're not a scrum master uh-huh. right now, you're a coach yeah but you can update your uh issues through jira or your stories so they can go the developer or the scrum master can go on to slack yeah and update in there oh interesting yeah you don't have to go you update in slack and it triggers jira yeah yeah that's interesting i mean i think i had heard that now there was another plugin that uh where when you check your code in it triggered jira to update and say done remove the ticket oh okay yeah you can connect you can connect jira to zoom you can connect it to slack confluence and microsoft look at you all uh catching up there and um ha 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 all, uh, well i'm learning you know i'm learning yeah. learning that's i'm learning um anyway okay well that you know in a way it's sad like technology is very cool but at the same time, like the one aspect that I really, I really like that aspect of the hands-on writing things down, yeah. putting it on the board and like doing a retrospective like that as well. I, I just thought that was fun. I find it hard. Um, <clears throat> like I was in a meeting when we had uh, 50 people turn up and I was sharing my screen and then it, it, sharing my screen shrunk. It was Google Meets. It shrunk the window where I could only see six people. Yeah. That bothered me because it's like I was realizing like uh, like I've really got to retool because my sweet spot is in a large is in a large facilitating a large room of people. I'm right. comfortable doing it. I'm comfortable yeah. in front of the people. There's an energy there. I like to mess around and joke and mm-hmm. do funny things. And, you know, we used to do this thing when someone would come up to speak, we'd often assume they were a bit nervous. So we'd, we'd yeah. have a beach ball. And on each section of the beach ball, you'd have a we sharpie had to write a question favorite color yeah. where you're from where do you you know silly things and i'd throw it at them when they'd come up or toss it to them and they'd grab it and i'd say what section of the beach ball is your right thumb touching and they'd look at it and they'd have to answer the question oh that's fun so the stuff like that like we've lost that and and i and so i i i'm, I'm starting to wonder like will i become a dinosaur because a lot of my strength is in the in person i think a lot of people would ask that well i think people Sorry, I interrupted you. No, Go ahead. I just so it's like, how do I retool? Like, I was looking at my screen there. Like, part of me would love to have in this room. It's a bit extreme, though. A massive screen, fifty-inch screen, so that I can see not all fifty people, but a fair number of them. You know, because it's you know, we're, yeah, it's just not this. It's not the same. I mean, so it's I, not. But in saying that, I still like hybrid because I still like. Um. And I don't know, if I was forced to go back 40 hours a week, maybe I'd readjust. But I think a lot of people are just not going to go 
back. There fully. are people who want to go back. There is. Uh, it depends on who you are and what your yeah. what your temperament is, your makeup. Like a lot of people want to be back. Like they're tired of being home. And some people want, or like you, where they want kind of half and half. And then there are other people who just want to be completely at home. Like they don't ever want to go back into an office again. But um, I guess for me, someone being home all the time. So actually... Oh, go ahead. I kind of look forward to something different, especially if it's not like being in a being in a tomb. Like I want to be like if it's a pretty nice space. Yeah. I don't know why offices are so freaking ugly. Well, no, it's changing though. It's they, changing. They, they were okay. like I remember when I went to work for um, Bank of America at Sears mm-hmm. Tower. It's hideous cubes from the 80s. I don't know what went south in the workplace at some point in history, but and I'd be curious to go back and look at it, but um, they just weren't investing in nice-looking spaces. like the yeah. cu- they, I know they wanted to give people privacy so the cubes were as high as this partition here. Which is about six feet tall. Yeah, and they were gray, and they had some... And, and maybe they were... Maybe they people in the 80s liked them, but there, there has... Uh, yeah, the space is like... Um, Oh, where do I where do I even start? Um, so it's changing. Where I think they're they're realizing that people don't want to work in a place that looks like the place in the Matrix where he starts out this cube right, farm. Right, right. They want to work in an environment that looks more like a coffee shop, probably. So if you see yeah, a lot of new spaces, yeah. like USAA now has converted a ton of their spaces in their main building, that, and 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 they're they're really they're they look really good. Yeah. They're very quiet. And those it, when I was in Boulder, they had a wide open space, and there was just this electric atmosphere on the main floor. Yeah. So some of it's space, and some of it's the culture of how the culture uh, inhabits that space. So like with USA, they had all the people were used to the open space, so they still had a cube mindset where it's like this is my space, don't make noise, and it was like it, so it looked great, but it was lacking the energy that I would normally see in a space like that, you know, right? Where there's movement, there's people talking, they're joking, there's Nerf guns being fired at each other. So, um, and I think like Rally Software in Boulder was like the epitome of what, not just what the physical space should look like, but what the the vibe. This is just a vibe you would pick <clears> up there. And right. Anyway, all that to say, um. I think yeah, I think companies are starting to get a hint that they have to, they can't, they can't be treating people like machines on a factory floor, where the environment, how it looks, doesn't matter. They just, um, so I think well, that's I think I think environment matters. Oh, like well, even yeah. if even or people, like either if you have both, if you're working with really cool people who are kind and uh, cooperative and collaborative, yeah, that can make a real difference. But if you have those kind of people mixed with a really nice environment with a lot of light and natural surfaces like wood and metal and brick and glass, yeah, like things like that, um, and you're not, you know, secluded in like a little room, yeah, I think that can really make a difference. And how a person feels when they're going to the office and then you don't feel like you're like, I just feel like that would be different on my mentality. Like I'm an, I'm an artist, so I yeah. don't like, uh, my environment matters to me. Yeah. And I want like, you so know, so you, that's the one thing I'm worried about. Yeah. I, I like, think I think I can, be, you could, but you can, you can change that maybe as, as a scrum master, you can, 
have some at- autonomy to change the space. So like in that environment at Nokia, we, we, when it, we turn the lights off, we put lava lamps in. So I think as a scrum master, that courage arm, you've got to, you've got to, uh, you need to press on. Mm-hmm. So like, um, we, uh, so you just got to make your space and make it look yeah. nice, even if it pisses someone off. And often the times it does, cause you start moving things around. Like I remember moving plants and stuff and moving chairs out and, doing things that uh, didn't get me in trouble, but I think uh, you have to do that. So if there's a scrum room you have or, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think you- Yeah, you that's could... fun to create an atmosphere. Like Finn and I went and worked out this week at Hotworks and um, usually in the evening, like they have, the lights are all up, <clears throat> which you can dim the lights in your studio because they have individual studios in there. But they had a night called Glow Up or glow, yeah, glow up or something. I don't know. But it was so fun. They put all the lights all the way down. And then they had little, uh, those uh, little battery operated candles. Where was that again? At Hotworks. Oh, nice. So when you walked in, it's like you were walking into, yeah, I mean, it was very dark. And they had little candles in the hallways, outside of each studio, even back into the gym area itself. And like you were, I mean, it was very dim. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, it was, I mean, you could see walking through, but they had definitely created a really nice atmosphere. They changed the music from, cause they usually play like pop <clears throat> during the day. And they changed the soundtrack to more like uh, dinner music, jazz, you know, something more along that line. And so when you walked in, it just created this whole different mood. And then we, then we went into our studio and the lights were up in the studio because that's something that the client regulates is whether you want your lights up or down in the studio itself. Yeah. So we went ahead, Finn and I took our studio lights all the way down as well. And then we had our little, the little tea lights were outside the room, but it was just a very relaxing evening. Yeah. That was a new thing they've been doing over yeah, there. Yeah, it was a new thing they did, and everyone I could hear people loving it, you know. And That's then they great. had like what they had like flavored water with like fresh fruit in it, and then they had like veggies and fruit, and yeah, it was just it was just very soothing way to go in and work out and just to be relaxed, like just by changing the lighting. Yeah, just one thing they changed, and it made such a difference. You know, I just felt it's. Nice to go in there and work out anyway because you're in the infrared heat. But I don't know. When you've had like a, you've worked hard or whatever, it's just nice to be comforted like that. And you can do that during the day too. Like your space can be comforting to you. Yeah. You know, it can. And spaces can like detract from you too. That's why I think you need more artists in corporate world. People who are have that bent. Yeah, and, and realize the importance of space. Like I think every large company should have a director yeah. of space. I don't mean director of that's facilities. That's a good. Hey, that's yeah. a good job title. Yeah, I don't mean facilities. Like you have facilities people. I mean creating a space, right. creating that, that, a mood, that, a mood. Like there's, there's, you have. Well, people's can't just be homes are ugly too. Well, they like are. Like so though, many yeah. people have no sense. They don't have any aesthetic at all. They have. Yeah. They and. You know, it's a horrible thing to say, and I know I sound snobby as an artist saying this, but when I'm looking, because we're, 
we're going to move in a year in uh, next July, finding a new place to live because we sold this house. But, and I go online nearly every morning and look at rental properties in San Antonio just to see what's out there. And when you're seeing in people's houses, they have the most grotesque furniture in their homes. And I know maybe they probably like it, but these big couches that they're just so repulsive. These big leather mammoth things. You're not, yeah, you're not a big fan. I tried to get a lazy. They're one. awful. Like, like you got, you wanted to buy one. Like, yeah. Sorry Although, to say, Brian, but you're. Well, not. we always complain that no nobody had a lazy boy that looked cool. I know like it's, it's like they're one. very comfortable. They are. But yes, they don't look but right. it's like it's really hard to find a couch that looks good and is comfortable. You should be able to get a lazy boy that time. doesn't look like it's inflatable. Right, it looks like a a pool. It looks like a, a bouncy a castle pool that you sit a, in. Yeah, yeah. They're so terrible, and then and then everyone has like manufactured art on the walls, which I absolutely detest. Yeah, all these little, and I probably there are probably people listening that have this stuff hanging on their walls. So I apologize. They were listening. They're, they're already on. I haven't been in your home, so I apologize in advance because I'm probably going to say some offensive things. These are just my sensibilities. Like, I like original art. Well, maybe that art and was original one day and then it became mass produced. Well, like maybe your like, stuff will be in Target in 100 years because no, so many people no. want it. Well, the, see, that's the thing is being an artist that I'm torn about. Like, I used to have my stuff, my images on this website called Redbubble. Yeah. Where you could oh, put... Oh, not anymore? Mm, no, I took that down months Why'd ago. Well, because I think in a way it could cheapen your art. Like I figured if I want to do that, I could create art that's specifically for that purpose. And I just haven't gotten around to doing that yet. But if someone's going to pay want to buy a painting of mine that's going to cost, you know, $600 up to like $2,000 and they're going to pay that much money for an original piece of artwork, yeah. Then I wouldn't want them to see their art on a cell phone, or see that art on a throw yeah, pillow, yeah, or on yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's different if it's yeah. like in a print. Like on my website, you can get everything in a print version. You know, you can get it on metal or on wood, some really cool ways. But like to me, manufactured art, it just has a completely different feel about it. Like. It could be like the most beautiful painting, like even my own paintings. When I'm going on my website and I put one of my paintings in a print form with a frame around it, to me instantly, it cheapens right away. But other people love prints and they like to have prints of different things. That's just not me. I don't like prints. I like original canvas artwork. That's what I like. And that's what, that is what costs the most money is to get art that way. But I just, I don't know. It's almost like it doesn't have any like a manufactured art. It's like it's been, the life has been removed from, yeah, from it. And I know everyone won't agree with me. Yeah, I don't think I do. I, I actually, do. I, I walk into houses and i think it, it, depending how you put it together it's nice it's better than nothing i always i don't i look at it and well I think some it's, nice. it's different it depends on what your style is yeah but um 
Yeah, your style is the most impossible to, to nail down. Even after 22 years, I, I, I still don't. I wouldn't. Well, because I mix things. I mix old clothes. things with new things. Yeah. You know who else is good like that? Your Finn, our daughter's like that. She can come up with a style that she went and bought these shirts that really it's a shirt that a a really heavy set 60 year old man would wear. Yeah. And she wore it and it totally rocked it out. Do you know what's interesting it's about that? You pull that off. How do you have an eye for that kind of you stuff? Know what she, you know what is interesting? Yeah. She bought those shirts at yeah. Goodwill. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, those are the ugliest shirts ever, right? And then she put them on. And I was like, those look really cool on you. And then now she bought those a year ago. And those things are so popular right now. They're all in style. Wow. It's like a whole trend. What? But did she, she know that? Was she following the trend or setting no, it? No. She did it. She found that stuff all on her own hmm. and started wearing it. And then she bought she bought this vintage jacket. That was like striped. It was, I think it's linen. I think it's made out of linen, but it's like a, it's like a man's, um, it's like something you would see maybe Catherine Hepburn wearing or like a 70 year old man. And, um, she bought it. It was actually too big for her. And so I took it cause I loved it and, and I'm going to actually wear it this fall because I like it so much, but it is in style right now. Wow. And like old lady like 1980s old lady clothes are like in style right now what or like a lot of the 80s like anyway it's just really weird how like trends and styles come back but she had her eye was so good yeah and her eyes really good for herself yeah where she can see something and see how it's gonna look on her even at uh you call it Letterman jacket? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. That short of that, that'll look. That she'll rock that other thing too. Yeah. It's usually what the jocks wear, right? Well, no, girls wear them they too. Do. Okay. But well, I'm just saying, I'm used to seeing jocks, but I, I yeah, see I think they were more. I think maybe they were more popular. So I want to pull something back in about guys. the artist and the workspace, right? And yeah, and, and space. So how do you think you would? Do you have any ideas how you would want a workspace to be that you... So you go in as a scrum master over a team of 10 or two teams of 10. Yeah. And they tell you... Well, they probably won't tell you because they won't know to tell you. But you tell them, hey, it's important to me that the space looks right. I want to yeah. do this. I want to budget for this. What would, your, what would you ask for? Well, so I would have to see the space first. So it's, cube, it's a cube farm. And you have, I don't think I could you, work in a cube farm. No, but they give you 20 grand to fix it. What do you do? Well, I think you, number one, you would get rid of those cubes yeah. that have that weird fabric on them or yeah. whatever. Like, I think wood division, wood dividers are much better. Yeah. Like, if you go to the Impact Guild, they have wood dividers and they have little slats. They're just like yeah. three-inch slats that are nailed yeah. uh, across so that it gives you a sense of light yeah. coming through. But... Plus, they're wood. Aesthetically, they look really nice. You know, you're not looking at like a gray fabric over some kind of like fake material. Um, I forget they're called dividers. What are they called? Anyway, they're awful. Yeah. But um, I'm going to make notes here while you're talking. Plus, you know, so I would just get rid of those and then like carpet. 
Carpet should be banned from the world completely. Oh, what, would you, what would you put in the work? On, the on most the... disgusting thing ever. So one thought there. Sorry, I've only seen one hardwood floor in an office space ever, and it was in the same. The, it was in Bank of America Sears Tower. Their main entrance had hardwood floors, and it was the coolest thing. Why would you have carpet? Carpet is like because it, well, it's loud. If you're on, we had hardwood floor. We had hardwood floors, concrete floors at rally. But we would do, we would take these scooters and we would run them off the stairs and, and, and land four steps down. This is when we were all in our 30s and 40s. We had scooter races around the office. Yeah. Because we were a satellite office. There was no no one there to, to give us a hard time. Yeah. And we and we were right above tattered cover. And man, they came up all mad at us. So yeah. so all that to say, hardwood floor. There was a woman above us in these high heels. And my gosh, take your high heels off, would you, missus? So that's part of the reason I think you can hear it coming through. Well, but there is there are materials that you can use when you're when you're making a building. Uh, yeah, I know that yeah, will that keep would, the sound that, yeah. where you don't have sound. How do you think they do these nice? high rises where you don't have any sound coming through is they you have to do it with high quality materials but like i would either have concrete flooring which aesthetically some people may not like but concrete flooring is just like a blank slate and it could just be like a gray concrete flooring or you can put a pigment in there you could make it blue you could make it red you could make it brown you could also do wood hardwood flooring which is beautiful and yeah i mean i would just natural natural materials yeah you know yeah. i mean i wouldn't i don't know it's just carpet holds dirt and i don't care how powerful your vacuum cleaner is it is always yeah going to have gross stuff in it and if you're wearing shoes inside you're going to be bringing in all the chemicals off the road anything you've stepped on into that space every single day so i think and i don't know why people don't understand that carpet is is yeah it's just nasty it's a nasty material and we have carpet upstairs in our house um which i did not want to have, but Brian really wanted to have it. And yeah, now he so realizes. I don't mind it. It's just for me in the bedroom. Well, the now bedroom it feels has... like cheap. It's like, yeah, look, <clears throat> it's a small space. So like the traffic on this carpet upstairs is intense. Yeah. So it's been worn down and like we shampoo it and everything and it'll look new again for a little while, but then it just, yeah. Then you it know, looks bad again. Hey, uh, I was thinking about, um, so here's my theory. We got cheap somewhere along the I think maybe in the industrial revolution or somewhere we started getting cheap on everything. Our, so our uh, aesthetics <clears throat> art were, is just were, not appreciated by well, it's not let me finish with the order. majority of the yeah. population. So I think if you look at it, the how government governments, you know, the art funding's usually low, right? So we started sticking our money into industry, into military but putting money into art or aesthetics or how things look, um, just like if you look at how people dressed in the old days, I, I don't mean average people, but like, you know, the, like a lot of money was spent on clothing. If you look at how buildings were designed. People had over, more pride in yeah, everything. Yeah, over like 150 years ago, like architecture 150 years yeah. ago. You look at Chicago's architecture, you see those older buildings. There was a bit of... Um, 
you know, pre-skyscraper. But, you know, but you said you have some movements like, uh, what was it? Um, Louis Sullivan said, form follows function. So what he mm-hmm. meant is if you have a bank, you don't want to have pillars in the middle, even though they look beautiful. They don't follow, you know, let the form follow the function. I think that's, that, that's fine in theory. But what happened was, I think uh, workplaces got sterile because it was all about efficiency. How cheap can we do it? How efficient can we do it? And we just lost sight of the fact that human beings are in those buildings and their mental. Like if you want people to come to work and be excited to be in that space, which you should, you should build a space where people want to go in. Like people love going into old churches, not everyone, but there's something about old temples. They're beautiful. They kind of like, why wouldn't you invest money into a, first of all, a house where you're going to spend a lot of time. Right. Um, but, you know, and again, like you look at how I look at some houses like they're massive. There's probably two people living there. It doesn't even have to be. Get a smaller place and make it look It's nicer. okay. The size of a house doesn't matter. Nah, it doesn't if matter. you can afford it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if you're going to. Okay. Don't people don't be putting anybody down for having a big house. You were putting people down for having <clears throat> art from Target. You didn't say Target, but it's okay for you to be slammed. No, I'm not. No, I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. Size is not about aesthetics. No, no. What I'm saying I is. I was talking I have, about aesthetics. If not. I have, if I have 500 grand, right? Um, yeah. I can buy a big, massive house, or I could get a much smaller one and just have it architected better. Right, that's true. And, but it would look nice. Like, it'd be, I would have less rooms to be in, but the rooms I was <clears throat> it was in, I, I, you know, I, I, I spent money, more money on the inside. When, okay. My, so my point is that I think companies need to put more, and I think they are, put more budget into The thing is, though, these space. natural materials are just as inexpensive. Yeah. I mean, wood flooring, yeah, it can be more expensive. But, you know, I don't think metal, well, metal's really expensive now, but that's because of, you know, yeah, China and the pandemic or whatever. But um, building materials in general right now are through the roof. Yeah. <clears throat> but natural materials on a normal day-to-day basis aren't at, you know, they're just as affordable as all these fake materials. And these fake materials are toxic. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. They're bringing in all these toxins into the workspace where people are sitting there breathing it in all day long. You know, but if you have natural wood that hasn't been treated with a chemical and you have glass and things like that, you're not toxifying your environment. Yeah. Like you're in a natural environment. Yeah. You know, it's true. Yeah, but I don't think, yeah, people just aren't, I don't know, people, well, people, I think if you're not an artist or whatever, I don't know, a lot of people just don't, their space is not that important to them. Or what they, when they look and see something like, Beauty is very different to each person. Like what one person thinks is beautiful, another person doesn't find beautiful. And I mean, that's that's a very interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, I think I wonder if you would eventually go into modern day office, if you could be that space director of space, if you could be the person who. I don't know. I don't have, uh, I don't. Putting items into a room is very different than creating art. Okay. Yeah, okay. You know, well, because I don't, like, even just trying to buy things for our house, 
Like sometimes what I think is going to look good never looks good. And then, because remember all that furniture I had to send back in the beginning? Yeah. Because like my idea of what I, how I thought it was going to look and then how it looked in, in reality were very, two very different things. So I really think, now I think I could pick materials for a space and pick things in a space, but for me, it's harder to do. Like that's just a harder thing to do to put everything together. Like I can eventually do it. Yeah. But it's not my it's not my forte whereas like a designer that understands how to put together a room would be much better than me probably. So one one part of agile transformations is space. We um no some companies get get ahead of that but like in the 2000s They'd come in and part of your project this changed the space. So if you had a cube farm of, just say you had a team of nine, right? Mm-hmm. And you had they all had separate cubes. You'd rip yeah. that out and you'd put one wall. You'd put a wall around the team. Yeah. But then everyone's accessible to each other. They yeah. They can turn around and talk to each other. They have all their meetings in that space. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was also, um, yeah. Yes, yeah, someone was talking about that on a... Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I took my Scrum certification, um, there was a project manager. She, they did, they weren't doing strictly Scrum or whatever. They were doing more project management. But the developers, she said, were sitting all together in one room. Or everyone on the project, I think. Yeah. They were all in one room. And she said that it worked really well for them because then they could just get up and go over and chit chat. So you should check out Spotify. With the other people. How Spotify delivers software. There's, they have um, it's not videos out there. and um, I'll, I'll send you the links. But Spotify has, a, has their own way of, their own method of delivering mm-hmm. software they've created. But their space is cool. They have, they have all the developers in one area and then they have this living room area where you mm-hmm. can have the couch and then they have a meeting room. So See, that's... but it's just theirs. They don't they they don't have to fight for meeting rooms. That's often been a problem is I cannot find a meeting room. I gotta okay. book. So each team gets their own conference room. Yeah. And it's usually small, but they have all their ceremonies and meetings in there. And I yeah. think that's that's really effective. They're not now, called course, ceremonies anymore. What are they called? Events? Maybe events. I forget, but they're not called ceremonies anymore. Oh, okay, good. Because the client I'm working with, that's a trigger word for some reason. Well, there you go. Get throw that oh, trigger that word. Is that the Scrum guide? It's the new Scrum guide, yeah. Oh, all right. I should probably read that. Let me know when you find you out. You should probably so read start it. calling them that. Well, what, uh, should we continue down this road or steer off somewhere else? It's, well, uh, we have... Minutes, um, let's see. What else can we talk about? We have some fun trips coming up. We talk about those, or do you want to talk about something well, else? Because that's all kind of feels self-serving, you know. It does. Um, or we can just stop talking. Leave it at that. It's forty-two minutes. No. Well, we can talk a little bit more. Okay. Um, what did we do? How was your week? It was uh, good. It was challenging, but good. I tried to. I I went back over some. How would I say this now? Um, I try to push into a gear that's more directive. Uh huh. Because as a coach, you often it's a gear you have to just play. Like yeah. Like if you've been a scrum master before, if you know all these roles, you just it's kind of like if as if 
it would be a coach getting on the field and just showing people this is how you do it. Yeah. And then there's the then there's the times where you're the game is on and you you never get on the field. Mm-hmm. You, you you observe the team, you direct them from a distance. Yeah. So depends on the engagement. So you gotta you gotta be able to read where you're at. So for some reason, even though I can be on the field because I've done a lot of those roles, there's still that collaborative part of me where I, I feel like I'm violating space doing that. And I've been told pretty directly from a client, like we need you to be more directive because we don't know. So get in here. Yeah, and that's a role you have a hard time with. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, because there's so much of the collaborative. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Why do you think you have a hard time being directive or assertive? Um, because when people are like that with me, I, it kind of ruffles my feathers. When you start giving being directive, it can. Um, I think I can get images of the alpha male. This way, we're gonna do it. And maybe I need to relook at the alpha male idea, an alpha female. And well, think maybe it's there's like, times I where you do need direction. I think what's happened is you have a one idea of that. there Because there is one version of that that is unhealthy. But being directive and assertive in and of themselves are not bad things. Yeah. But you can be those things in an unhealthy way. So I think you've had some experiences where that has been, you know, uh, when you have had an unhealthy alpha male or female, yeah, you know, direct things at you and belittled you or made you feel bad, you have always wanted to be like, I never want to be that person. Right, yeah. But yeah. you can be a leader. There are leaders who are directive, who are assertive, but in the right way. Yeah. Where you're just calling people to action, you're reminding them what they need to do, but you're doing it in a way where they want to do it. You're not like it's not bad to be a leader. It's not it's not a bad thing to move people along in a vision and to show them what the vision is. Yeah. And where they need to go with that vision. Like someone has to do that. <clears throat> so you have to reframe your idea of who that person is. It's not a bad thing to be the boss. Like if you're if you're a surgeon and you're operating on someone, the surgeon has to be able to say, you got to do this, you got to do that, give me this, give me that. Yeah. You yeah. have to be directive. Yeah. And if you want this client to be successful, you have to be directive. So yeah. you have to get comfortable and that's okay. Yeah. And it's it's needed. Yeah. You have to find that part of Brian. Where is that part in you that you can pull from? Yeah. So yeah, it was so I went over some coaching tapes. Mm-hmm. Not tapes. It was in the coaching cohort with a bunch of people and the senseis as I call them, the two leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, in the final session, they were we were they were giving me some feedback and um, and uh, you know so we had you came up with this uh, coaching uh, what is it your I can't remember what it was but your your big idea of what you're gonna how you're gonna shift yeah and I just borrowed Sensei Michael's uh, idea and I said be direct and powerful start saying what I'm seeing and don't mince words right because so, I do mince words. And one of the feedback he gave me was it would do you good to just say the essential for one month. For one month, only say what's essential. Because most of what we as humans say is just 
nonsense anyway. Right. And I think that I think that's um, I know that's helpful, so true. You know. Um. And then uh, we talked about um. Uh, what else did they say? He said you're compelling when you come from a place of directness. Mm-hmm. So I thought was I stuck that on my over my monitor, and then also um. What was I would I'd been talking about how I got some feedback from a past client that she wanted me to be more direct mm-hmm. and not mince words. So I was, but I was direct in front of her peers and uh, in a time where she was going through a rough patch. And, um, you know, then I read that as well. I, would, I just got the claws, you know, <laughs> dug into me. Well, you would need <laughs> to elaborate on that because you didn't fully explain that. So you were direct with a woman yeah, in a meeting. Does it matter that she's a woman, by the way? No. Okay, I was just curious because I thought I'm you I'm just telling woman. the story. Yeah, okay. And just, you're, yeah. you were direct with her in a meeting, yeah. but you were, you were too direct, perhaps. Yeah, I was actually pissed off at the time. So. You were in front of her peers. Yeah. So yeah. basically, you were direct in the wrong environment. Like yeah. you still needed to say what you said to her. You said to her the right thing. Right. But yeah. you said it to her at the wrong time. Yeah, timing's everything. And then she never forgave you for it and then went after you. Well, no, she didn't go after me. Well, I, I just don't think she was able to let it go. But um, she just didn't make it like she wasn't going to. No, she wasn't going to let it go. Because I told her, hey, if I go into this gear, it's against my culture. If I, uh, so I, the, you're going to hear a grinding sound and it's going to come off. And you need to be you need to tell me to back it down. That was the agreement. So that's all she needed to do. Hey, that was too much. Okay, Give- but you're here's what happens with you. Yeah. You have, for some reason, you need to learn that that gear for you yeah. doesn't have to sound grinding. You're mixing up, you're mixing up assertiveness and bossiness. Yeah. And yeah. assertiveness and Got meanness. It. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You mix those up. You have to realize that being assertive yeah. is not does not have to come with those negative qualities. Yeah. So I met I met with these I hear what you're saying. I met with the coaches last week and I changed my motto or mission. And it, we changed it from be direct to be compassionate and powerful. And the reason we changed it to compassionate is because when I'm being direct, it's to help you. I'm doing it right. to help you. But because they were saying you could be direct to hurt someone, not, or not, you could be enough. If I get pissed off enough, I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna say it because I'm pissed at you. Yeah, that's not helpful at all. Right. But if I can, if I can be confident that confident that I'm coming from a place of compassion to help you. Yeah. Because your company's in pain, or you're in pain, and I want to help you get past that, and I don't want to leave you the way I found you, nor do you want to leave me the way you found me. Like we should be all growing. Then, so if I can focus, so I'm gonna focus on that. Be compassionate and. Right, because if you don't, if you're not direct, yeah, and you don't say what needs to be said, then you're doing them a disservice. Yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. serving your client well. Yeah, I agree. Can I give you two more things, and then I want to shift to you, and then we got to go in five minutes because I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. I'm gonna talk to a coach in Amsterdam. Okay, we've maintained this connection. What are the what? The, see, these guys are well. I don't want to get no. I'm, okay, be direct and powerful. They said, get ready for people to dig their claws in when you are done effing around. They didn't say effing. That was very powerful, too. What does that mean? Means I'm confused. Like, like uh, when you're 
when you're done mincing words and you're going to be direct, people are going to not get pissed off. They're gonna, you're going to ruffle feathers and people are going to get mad at you. But you still have to do it. And remember this too, Brian. Yeah. You're pissing people off when you're not direct. Yes. Because you're not helping them. Right. Who needs somebody to come in and coach them who's not actually coaching them? Right. It was just a, telling you what you want to hear. Who? Why? You're, no, you're yeah, of no yeah. use then. Now, one more quote. You're only from, useful if you're telling them what they need to hear. Yeah. Can I give you one more quote? I'm looking at it right here. It's from Paula Stone something. A man who transitioned to a woman. He was Paul, Paula Stone. Oh, yes. Something. A great book. It's called As a Woman. As a Woman. The quote that she has at the beginning, it says, when you stand in opposition to your heart's desire, you'll, I can't read it from here, you'll feel restless and depressed. Your own soul will judge you. Oh, there it is. Paula Stone Williams. That's it. When you stand in opposition to your heart's desire, you will feel restless and depressed. Your own soul will judge you. And I thought restless and depressed, that's two emotions I know very well. Yes. And I wonder if it's because I'm not being integrity with the person I'm supposed to be when I start getting afraid and not. So there's been a few week, th- times this week where I just where I I just said, hey, I want let me push back on that. And this is what you have to, here's what I'm seeing and you got to see this. Now you can choose right. to ignore it, but this is something you got to watch for. Right. Okay, back to you. How was your week? Well, I like where we're, I want to, I don't want to talk about my week. I want to talk about number one. I want to talk about that person. That book is really good called As a Woman. Yeah. Paula, was it Paula? Paula Stone Williams. Paula Stone Williams. She used to be Paul Williams. Yeah. And then she transitioned uh, in her fifties or sixties or maybe fifties. I think maybe it was fifties, but anyway, she was, uh, he was an evangelical Christian for many years, a pastor worked in the church world for years. But anyway, um, that was just a really good book. A lot of powerful lessons in that. And then I watched the documentary on, uh, about, uh, Kate, uh, what's her name? Caitlin Jenner. Yeah. I never knew anything about Bruce Jenner, yeah. his journey and everything. And then now it's she, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, but that was a great documentary. And he's a lovely, she yeah, is a yeah. lovely person. He was a lovely person as Bruce Jenner. Like, yeah, he was just a hard worker, but he, he struggled just like her. Their stories are so similar that from us, from a child, they both knew they both had gender dysphoria and they both tried to ignore it. And the whole reason why he, why Bruce Jenner was a decathlon, a decathlete, I don't know if you would call it, but was he was just trying to like prove himself as a man. It was like trying to like get over that feeling and conquer it. And he was never actually able to do it. And neither Mm. was Paul, Paula Stone Williams wasn't able to do it either. They, they both came to the realization that they both had to live fully as themselves. Yeah. You know, and for them to do that, what a huge price they both paid. Although Caitlyn Jenner has paid less of a price than, than Paula Stone Williams, because, you know, she was part of like a, christian church she lost all of her christian friends every one of them abandoned her except for one yeah and then her family but they all just dropped her like a hot potato yeah 
and which is so disgusting. And that's one thing I hate about certain sections of the Christian world is their lack of trying to understand and want to know what's going on in someone's world. They just like want to drop you and move on. Yeah. Um, and then because this is like what you're dealing with in trying to be more assertive and, and be not to be afraid and to speak truth to people. And not to be afraid in that because you're also a people pleaser and wanting to be liked is like on and on. It feels big to you. But can you imagine how big that must have felt to those to Caitlyn Jenner and to this other woman? Yeah. To have to do that. Oh, it's massive. One thing is that what I realized is um, if I cave into fear and become a coach that you that uh, you're that my mission is. For you to like me, that is such a betrayal of, it's a betrayal of the contract with the with, right. I'm it's there. a betrayal it, of the contract. It's a complete betrayal because it's like I'm you've become useless, right? Because you're paying me for nothing at this point. I'm not, I'm not saying exactly. That's the, I'm not saying that it's like that. Like there's there is help right. I've given people. Well, you are very helpful. You're a very good coach. Yeah, you're a very good coach in helping people learning how to communicate better. Yeah, and grow in their careers, but you. But you do have a sticky point, and this yeah. is your sticky point. And and you got to get past that because sometimes right. the best value they're gonna get is if if there's there's either a difficult situation or a difficult person, right? That has to hear something difficult, right? And if you can solve that and bring to, to their attention, like there's some leaders who cast large shadows, and they're 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 the way they're acting is causing so many problems below, right? Sometimes they don't even see it, right? But if you can show them that. And they can change their behavior. That's massive. I do need to pull stuff. Uh, sorry. We didn't well, Brian has an appointment, you guys. Do, so yeah. we're going to cut it off. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. And as always, give us a little feedback. I'm watching the recording levels there. Let us know how it sounds. Right. We're oh, wait. Two can mics. I say something? Yes, you can. And if you've left us comments or reviews, we have not figured out how to always be able to find them. Yeah, leave, so we're not well, ignoring they you. They might be in Podbean. I haven't looked there. We're not ignoring you. We just sometimes don't see them because sometimes we don't even know where to go and find them. But thank you if you've left them and we haven't acknowledged you. Have a great weekend. Yes. Bye-bye.